All right, we're going to go ahead, and uh, <clears throat> my daughter's back in town, and she's been gone a couple of months, and all the way out there in Seattle, near Seattle, Washington, and uh, uh, near Portland, actually. And uh, so, uh, well, you wouldn't know where Vancouver, Washington was, would you? So, you would? Oh, well, it's next to Portland, Oregon. But anyway, <clears throat> that's where she's from, okay? Vancouver, Washington. And so all the way, she came here just to sing tonight. You don't really believe that, do you? All right, let's go ahead and sing. Ready? Let's take our Bibles again. Turn over to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. <clears throat> this should be the last in our uh, lesson as far as our best for the Lord Jesus. Now, we've been dealing with secrets of successful living, and we still have one more lesson in that series. But uh, tonight, we should end up finishing, I trust, the, uh, this particular lesson, our best for the Lord Jesus. It's been going on for the last six and a half months. No, I'm teasing. But anyway, it seems like it, right? But uh, sometimes these things go on a little longer than I anticipate, but that, that's all right. And tonight we're going to address another issue in this uh, ongoing saga, if you will. Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 3, we're going to read through verse 9. <clears throat> and being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, 
As he sat in me, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. She broke the box and poured it on his head. There were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd bless this time. And, Lord, may you speak to our hearts and encourage us. We pray that you'd inspire us and that you would just enable us, Lord, to be grounded more firmly, to glean from your word and to grow as you would have us. We pray that, Father, we would be better for you for having been here tonight. May we leave different than we came. Lord, may you do a mighty work in our hearts. We pray for your leadership. We pray for your love tonight. May your Holy Spirit walk these aisles and bring conviction to our hearts, and may he do a perfect work in our lives. We thank you for these that have gathered. May you, Father, just remove any distractions from our minds that we might focus clearly on you, your precious word tonight. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So we've been addressing and dealing with this particular subject, and right off the bat, as we did our introduction, we learned a couple of things. We learned that much of what we spend our time and money on is soon forgotten, but that which is spent on the Lord will be remembered always. We said, don't allow the criticism of a few to discourage you from giving your best to God and others. We also noted, never lose sight or, uh, or forget who you're really spending your best on, and that's Jesus Christ. So we continued, and we said that the woman gave the precious ointment in that alabaster box, but what in the world can we give to the Lord Jesus Christ? We said, well, no matter what your income or your social standing is, there's a couple of things that are available for you to give as well, and that I can give also. We said we can give Jesus the best of our love. We can give Jesus the best of our years, and finally we said we can give Jesus the best of our talents. Well, then, last time we met, we noted a few other things. We noted or asked the question, why should, uh, why should we, uh, excuse me, um, we talked about why we should give our very best to the Lord Jesus. And we said, well, because he's worthy of our best. And then we said, well, because he's given his best for us. And finally, we noted, because only by giving him our best can we enjoy his best. So this week, we, we want to see what the result of giving our best to the Lord will be then. And we're going to answer this question. What will be the result of giving our best to the Lord Jesus? That's a good question, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I'm concerned and I'm even convinced that, unfortunately, that, that many do not give their very best. As a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you. I'll be as transparent as I can be. There are times in my life I don't give Him my very best. Someone says, you're a preacher, though. You ought to be giving God your best all the time. Don't we pay you to give him your best? <clears throat> well, you, you, you may uh, come together and 
Uh, I may get a paycheck every week, but I'm still a human being. And let me tell you something, the world and the devil are still out there trying to compete for my time and my attention, just like he's competing for your time and your attention. And I'm just going to tell you there are times that I get distracted just like you probably do. And the fact is, is that there are times I don't give my very best to him. I think I would be a little bit remiss to to, to somehow try to imply that I do. I think I would be even lying to you if I even attempted to try to kind of smooth it over a little bit and try to somehow say, well, I can... You know, there's good reason why I didn't give my best here. So in a sense, I could have, but I didn't. But I no, I just didn't. But shouldn't we? Of course we ought to. Okay, let me just ask you this before we move any further. Because the preacher fails in this area from time to time, does that give you a pass? Does that change the standard that God holds or requires of each of us then? Oh, wait a second, everybody fails in this. Everybody falls short. Everybody's a sinner. So that gives me a pass. Is that what it is then? I'm fearful to say that many people somehow believe that with their pet sin. People believe somehow, well, everybody's got their sin, so therefore mine isn't so bad. I can hold on to mine just like they hold on to theirs. And God will understand because he knows he created me. I'm human. Well, if God says it's wrong, it's wrong, isn't it? If God has a demand or a desire for us, I think that's the standard by which we should base our our life on. We don't set the lowest standard. We set the highest one and we try to attain to it. So what will be the result of giving our best to the Lord when we do? And I'm going to give you three simple things. First of all, some people will object. That's going to be the result of you giving your best to the Lord. There's going to be some people that are going to object. Again, in Mark chapter 14, notice verse 3 again. The passage says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat in me, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. Here she is, this woman giving her very best to the Lord Jesus Christ. This alabaster box full of precious ointment, which was worth 300 pence, which we had noted that it actually amounts to almost a year's wage. And in giving her best, she finds that there are those that are going to criticize her. There are those that are going to murmur against her. There are those that are going to misunderstand Isn't that interesting? How quickly were those in the midst to speak of this act of dedication as waste? It was made a waste. She wasted her very best. And you know what? It doesn't matter. You can give your very best to the Lord too, and I promise you there'll be some that will object to it. Not only will some consider our commitment and dedication to Christ a waste, but they will also despise us for it. Turn to John chapter 15, would you? John chapter 15, verse 18. In John chapter 15, in verse 18, we're going to read the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says here in verse 18... And he's given instruction, of course, to the disciples at the time. And he says, if the world hate you, 
if they hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own, but because ye are none of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. I think it's interesting that at the very beginning, verse 18, he says, if the world hates you. And then by 19, he says, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Isn't that interesting? That might be a good study for you. Do you realize that what we can expect if we give our very best to the Lord is a world that's not going to understand at the best? At worst, it may even persecute us. Even as it was in the days following the resurrection of Christ, so it is today in many parts of the world. Did you know that? Matter of fact, a a woman in India is, I heard about a woman in India who watched as her sister was dragged off by Hindu nationalists. She doesn't even know if her sister's alive or dead today. A man in a North Korean prison camp is, uh, is, is shaken awake after being beaten unconscious, only to be beaten over and over again, all because of their faith in Christ. I read of a woman in Nigeria who runs for her life. She's escaped from Boku, Boko Haram, who kidnapped her. She is pregnant now, and when she returns home, her community will reject her and her baby. A group of children may be laughing and just taking in things at their own church, right down by the church sanctuary after eating together and having a good time together. Instantly, many of them are killed by a bomb blast. That's what Easter Sunday was like in Sri Lanka. See, while Christian persecution takes place, in many places and takes place uh, in many forms. It's defined as any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Persecution is defined as any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Jesus Christ. Do you realize in just the last year, 2018, there have been over 245 million Christians living in places where they experienced high levels of persecution? 4,305 Christians were killed for their faith this last year. In 2018, that is. 1,847 churches and other Christian buildings had been attacked in 2018. 3,150 believers were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned in 2018. Again, I'm talking about around the world, but my point being is, is persecution. Any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Jesus Christ. Do you know that it happens here in, our, in, in America as well? A high school coach who was suspended, later fired, for, was suspended and later fired for praying silently to himself after a football game. What? What's that about? A Navy chaplain, Wes Motter, was investigated by the Navy for giving pastoral counseling as a chaplain that followed his religious beliefs. A librarian in Putnam County, Tennessee, refused to allow Irene Vick, the Christian author of Personality-Based Evangelism, to hold a book discussion in its facility. I thought we had First Amendment rights. 
I'm not understanding what's going on here. A New Jersey school district fired substitute teacher Walt Tutka for giving a student a Bible upon the request of the student, mind you, on school grounds. Again, he did it on school grounds. Tutka, Tutka, excuse me, had quoted scripture by telling the student as he came through a door last, you know the first shall be last and the last shall be first. The report explains that, quote, the student asked Tutka several times about the source of the quote. Finally, Tutka eventually used his personal Bible to show the quote to the student. And at the student's request, Tutka gave the student the Bible. But he was fired for it. Can I say he did get his job back finally whenever the lawyers got involved? But my point being is, is once again, things are taking place in America today that are leading to what we just read about in other countries. I don't know about you, but when you give your best to the Lord, you can bet that there's going to be somebody that's not real happy. You can bet there's going to be somebody that's going to stand in opposition. You can bet somebody's going to object. The New Jersey Department of Military and Veterans Affairs fired Patrick uh, Cubbage a veteran and honor guardsman for saying the words, quote, God bless you and this family and God bless the United States of America. A request from a fallen soldier's son, mind you, as he presented the flag to the family. He made that statement. The agency said uh, Cubbage had been warned not to give the blessing after doing the same with another family. So he'd done it with another family. They came to him and said, don't do that again. He did it anyway, lost it, out. Are you kidding me? For simply saying, God bless you and this family, and God bless the United States of America. I'll guarantee you there's a little more to the story, but let me tell you what the rest of the story probably is. And I can't say 100%. I bet you that he was probably pretty vocal with his faith, and they just didn't like it, and they wouldn't put up with it anymore. And may I say, you get too vocal with your faith, there's going to be somebody that's going to object to it. You get all in with Jesus Christ, you're going to have some issues. Nowadays, you may lose a job for your faith in Christ. It's starting to happen. At the University of Wisconsin, uh, Eclair, resident assistant Lance Steiger was not allowed to lead a Bible study in the basement of his dormitory. I thought he was allowed, I, I don't get what's going on here, do you? Isn't this America? Again, sadly, the biblical position that we embrace is being opposed and even attacked more and more frequently and ferociously. I want to read you an article. It's, the article is entitled, California Lawmakers Pass Resolution Blaming Religious People for High Suicide Rates in the LGBT Community. And it was written by, uh, it was in an article, ChristianHeadlines.com, by Will Mao. It was Tuesday, July the 30th, 2019. Lawmakers in California have passed a resolution. Don't misunderstand, we'll get to this in a minute, but it's not a law yet. It's a resolution blaming religious people for high suicide rates in the LGB community. And basically, the, the, he goes on to say, lawmakers in California have passed a resolution that singles out the state's religious communities and forces them to fully support LGBT individuals. In an astonishing bid to have people of faith conform to the pervading progressive culture, the legislatures even blame religious individuals for many of the issues faced by those in the LGBT community today, including suicide, the Federalist reports. The resolution, 
which recently passed through the state assembly, reads, quote, the legislature calls upon all Californians to embrace the individual and social benefits of family and community acceptance. Referring to LGBT, LGBT people, of course. The document of unapologetic, of unapologetically pins blame on the people of faith for being contributors to the skyrocketing suicide rates among the gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender community. Now, the writer does go on to say this. There is some good news, however. Because the political action is merely a resolution, it is not legally binding. It does not, however, signal a serious shift towards the police. It, excuse me. It does, however, signal a serious shift towards the policing of belief systems that are held by millions of Americans. Quote, they couldn't criminalize you, but they could obliterate your reputation and your life commented Glenn Stanton at the Federalist, noting that the resolution, quote, will grease the skids for it becoming enforceable law, unquote. Now listen, we can go ahead and we can play around and we can pretend that everything's going to be fine. But the truth is, is that there is an attack on fundamental basic morals in, a, in our America. Biblical principles that we adhere to, that we hold to, are under attack. And may I say that if they're under attack, so will we and so are we. And we're watching it happen before our very eyes. And it is so, it, it, was like a, it is like a snowball rolling downhill. It continues to gain momentum and grow in size so rapidly. Things are changing, folks. And listen, I'm just going to say this. I don't really care right now whether you agree or not with what I'm going to tell you. I don't, I don't care whether you not think I don't have the right to say it or not, but let me say this right now. You better be careful who you vote for in 2020 because I promise you this. You think you got liberties as a Christian, you'll lose them all if you vote for the wrong one. We were going to lose a lot of them already if we'd have not got the right one in. You say, well, this isn't political. You shouldn't be talking. Hey, listen, the Supreme Court right now is determining cases that are going to affect us for the next 20 and 30, 40, 50 years. My friend, you get the wrong justices on that Supreme Court, it affects us directly. Do you know that there was just a law, a, a, a case recently that allowed for, uh, uh, for, for churches to have tax-exempt status? Can I tell you what that means? That means that you can claim what you give to the church as tax-exempt, but my friend, the government prior to the one that's now in regime wanted to take away that right. And don't think for a minute they won't take your right away to go door to door and knock on a door, to go out and stand on a street corner and preach the gospel. Don't think that they don't want to say that it's a hate crime for you to sit there and say that you don't believe that every single type of voluntary uh, um, sexual orientation is not correct. By the way, there's now over a hundred, apparently, over a hundred sexual orientations now being taught in some of our school systems, whether they're in the UK or in the United States. My friend, I don't know where that all came from, but I promise you it's not in that book. You want to talk about the fact that, that we've got uh, 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 the, the need. I mean, we got to give our best to the Lord, but when you give your best, though, you better be prepared to understand this. And we have not had to understand this in the last 50 years, the last 100 years in America even. You give your best to the Lord now going forward, people are going to object. You get vocal about what you believe, you're going to have to pay a price now. There's going to be a price to pay. The question is, will we be willing to pay the price? Number two, Say, boy, that was fun, preacher. Thank you for that. That was a blessing. So good, yeah. 
Some people are going to object if we give our very best. But what else? The Lord Jesus will be pleased, though. I like that part, don't you? The Lord Jesus Christ to be pleased. <laughs> the greatest thing in the world is to have his approval and accommodation, don't you think? In Mark chapter 14, verse 6, if you're there, look at what it says. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. Boy, Jesus didn't seem to have a problem with what she did. You know, we know what the, you know, does it matter what the world thinks so long as he's pleased with us? Hold on. I, I want to ask you a follow-up question, or I want to make a statement. Does it matter what the world thinks so long as he is pleased with us? And I think everybody in the room knows exactly what the answer is. We know what that answer is. We know what it should be. But is pleasing him what truly fuels your life and controls your decision-making tonight? I mean, we know what the answer ought to be. But is that what truly fuels our life to please him? Is that what really controls our decision making to please him? I have in my notes, ask the congregation this question and allow them to answer. Here it comes now. Can you look over the landscape of your life and see evidence to the contrary? If you look over the landscape of your life, and can, can you see evidence of decisions that are made not necessarily first and foremost to please him? As you look over the landscape of your life, I look over the landscape of mine, can, can we see evidence of that, evidence that that pleasing him isn't what really fuels our life. Can anybody give me examples of maybe something that might distract us or keep us from giving our best? And, 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 and maybe, maybe it's something that you've dealt with and you fought with. Oh, I mean the desire. We know that we ought to be giving our very best to the master. We know we ought to be giving our, our all to him. But in what areas maybe, what situations do we often, even as believers today doing our very best to try to live for the Lord, where, where may we fail in this area? Anybody got any ideas? I, I want a hand, please. Go ahead, you're up. You're up. I just got to set a good precedence because then I'll get everybody yelling out. Very good. So worry, right? I think that's, that's a good thing. That's, that's a good one. That's excellent, actually. I, that's very, very good insight. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Our, our work, okay. Maybe our career or our work, sure. Find ourselves making decisions that maybe aren't necessarily always in to please him, but maybe, who knows, maybe to please a boss or maybe to please ourselves or family. Over here. Okay, witnessing. Maybe uh, failing to make the right choice in that area because, for whatever reason, it's not really, we didn't make the choice we made for him. We made it for some other motivation or reason, yeah. Okay, our phones, phones like that, sure. Now, let me, let me change it a little bit. What are some of, again, what are some of the things or, or, or people that we may want to please instead of him? Yeah. Okay, give me an example of what you mean by that, maybe a little more.
Okay, so maybe at times, even if you would feel like it would please the Lord to maybe push it the extra mile, you would say maybe it, you might be tempted to say, uh-uh, because I, I'm, I'm more concerned about pleasing dad than I would be pleasing my heavenly father. I think that's a great example. I think that can happen to all of us without a doubt. Anybody else? Um, um, right, right here first. Okay, so maybe uh, entertainment itself, things that we permit in our lives, it, we may, it may not really be to please him, but maybe there's an element in our own life that we want to please the flesh maybe or something in, in that regard. Um, I think that, okay, yeah. Okay, so maybe it could be your boss or maybe it could just be the idea of pleasing self or meeting a, uh, a goal in your own life or something, pleasing self even. But the, the, the idea of possibly uh, uh, work, making money, that kind of thing. I think I saw a hand over here too. Over here. I th did I see one over here? No? Okay, it's just one or two more. Yeah. Okay, your spouse maybe. Maybe you're so intent and, and, dis, and, and, and understandably so. And here, watch this now. Here's where it gets tricky because someone say, well, you know, as a wife, you ought to please your husband. As a husband, you ought to please your wife. So therefore, you know, it's all, it's all good until you stop pleasing the Lord. You get where I'm going with that? You know what I'm saying? We can almost justify what we do, you know, by somehow saying, well, see, God said I'm supposed to provide for my family. So if I got to work 350 hours a week, you know, and I can't ever uh, go home and I can't go to church ever. I can't read my Bible. I can't pray. Well, I'm still providing for my family. I'm a good man. Well, you might be a good man, but you're not very godly. I'm not saying you're not a, a good man. I mean, uh, you could be a good person and not even know the Lord. And let's just be honest, okay? Some of, the, some of the kindest, most friendly and receiving people I've ever met not weren't even Christians. That's, that, you know, that's a pretty bad indictment on Christianity sometimes, isn't it? But I've met people at work that were just wonderful, worked with me and tried to help me when I started the church, you know, oh yeah, you need off, go ahead, take off. And I'd be like, thank you, appreciate that. And uh, they weren't even Christians. Isn't that something? So, so we got to be careful of that. Yeah. yeah. One more maybe, and we'll close her down. Yeah. Okay, give me an example. Sure. Yeah, and the question is, do you want to obey God's word and please him by not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, or are we going to go ahead and please our friend by doing what they want to do? Great, great example, really. Again, pleasing others over Christ, pleasing self over Christ, that kind of thing. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ will be pleased when we give our all to him, though, when we give our best to him, and that's so awfully important. And, um, you know, the church experienced tremendous persecution, especially the, the apostles early on in, 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 in the church age. And despite the constant threat, these apostles were, were, they were steadfast. They were unmovable. They, as the Bible says, were abounding in the work of the Lord. And they were resolved to first please God, no matter what. Turn to Acts chapter 5, verse 27. Acts chapter 5, verse 27. 
Now, the interesting thing is, is this. Today, we're, we're big on this. Well, you know what? I got to take care of my family. I, I, got, I got responsibilities, so I got to be careful what I do. These guys had responsibilities for family, too, by the way. Do you realize that? Do you realize they had wives and children? It's amazing today how we have downplayed our responsibility as believers, somehow justified our, our cowardice. Isn't that amazing? You say, that's pretty harsh. You know, like, like I used to be told, my dad, you say, I calls them like I sees them. You know, and if I'm seeing them, what do you think God sees in us? Don't you ever go to God and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm the biggest waste of oxygen ever. You ever find yourself going to God like that? You say, well, I never do. Maybe you need to. (laughs) It would probably do us all a little good, you know? Humble ourselves a little bit. They wouldn't be so big on ourselves, you know, so, so high on ourselves. Notice what it says in Acts 5, 27. And when they had brought them, again, now watch what happens. They set them before the council. And the high priest asked them. Now, again, this, these are religious leaders. These are leaders of Israel, uh, uh, you know, political, religious leaders, all this good stuff. They're, they're controlling Israel, if you will, so to speak, and saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? By the way, doesn't it sound, that, that sound a little bit more like America all the time to me? You, better, you, you, you can't talk about that in public. You can't say what you believe in public. Now, they're allowed to say what they believe in public, and their CEOs are allowed to take a stand and put all kind of money wherever they want, and nobody's going to be upset. Matter of fact, we'll, they'll get on the evening news, and we'll just praise them to high heaven. But don't you dare let a CEO have a conservative viewpoint. Don't you let somebody have a biblical viewpoint. You have no right to that. You, don't you say nothing, because that's offensive. doesn't matter if they offend me. I'm just not allowed to offend them. Now watch, this is what's going on here. It's basically the same thing, but the cost is a little higher here. Don't think our cost won't go up now, but watch what happens. They said, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name, in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Do you ever wonder why the world's so intent on erasing Christianity? Why is it that... that if you're, you're Muslim, they'll help you in America. Oh, you, you're going to get rights in America. Not Christians, though. You ever wonder why? Because it's Christ's name that really messes up the world. It's his name. It's Jesus Christ. He's the problem, folks. The world hates Jesus. And if they hated him, they're going to what? Hate us if we are giving our all to the master. Sooner or later, somebody's not going to be pleased with what you have to say, what you're doing, and how you're living. I was watching a, a little video the other day on a particular gentleman who teaches some things on child training. And the whole, the whole thing, they were ripping him and destroying him and saying that he basically is promoting killing children. I said, what? Apparently, a couple of kids died as a result of his practices. Yeah, you know what they're talking about? Spanking according to the Word of God. You're teaching, beating children. And as a result, children are dying because this man is teaching this truth. And they don't call it truth, of course. And I thought to myself, well, how biased is all of this? Could anybody please dig up the actual real, the real statistics on it? How children are turning out? 
Let's look at how, how divorce is affecting our children. Let's talk about really how, how uh, uh, this and that area and every other aspect of our lives are affecting our culture and our, our, our society. You know what the problem is today? We don't want the truth. We want to feel it. As long as I feel like it's okay, it's okay. I don't care what the truth is. Don't, don't, don't clutter the waters with truth. Sad, isn't it? It's unbelievable. Oh, by the way, you can bury your head in the sand too, whether it's political or religious or whatever it might be. Just bury your head in the sand and believe what someone tells you. I think it would do you good to look at the statistics. I don't want to get into some of them because I get a little fed up when I start thinking about statistics and then I think about what people say the truth is. Certainly not what the statistics claim. But anyway, moving on. Pastor's meddling now. He's not just preaching or teaching. He's getting out of, out of, he's out of control. Watch these guys here. These apostles, these apostles said, after they said, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us, trying to blame us for his death, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. You know what? We're here to please God. You know what? I, I, listen, we will comply with your laws. We will, we will render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. We will pay our taxes and we will do everything according to the law. But the truth is, is this. When it comes time to, to, to obey God or to obey man, we've got we to land on his side. The apostles sought the favor of God above men. Jesus had admonished his followers to do the same in Matthew chapter 10, verse 20. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell in Matthew 10, 28. Like today, there are still those who are, you know, religious and play a, a pretty convincing part. They look the part but are not as concerned with the praise of God as they are the praise of men. In John chapter 12, turn there, would you? We're going to have to end with uh, this point. I just won't get to the last one. And that's okay. It wasn't any good anyway, right? <laughs> it's already too much heaped on my shoulders, preacher. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just having fun. I just, I don't know. I'm having a good day. My daughter's in from out of town. This is good. John chapter 12, verse 42. Now, she may go home and say, I'm glad I'm in this church now instead of that one. But anyway, John chapter 12, verse 42 through 43. <laughs> Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. Oh, that's good, isn't it? I love it when many believe on him. But because the Pharisees, because of the Pharisees, those religious leaders... They did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the what? Synagogue. Now listen, before we jump on this thing and say, you know those, those guys, those Jews that got saved, those Jews that believed on Jesus should have been willing to take a stand. Do you realize their whole life they grew up in a synagogue? I mean, I'm not trying to, pass, I'm not trying to say it's okay to deny Christ or okay to, and I don't think they necessarily denied him, but they certainly didn't want to take a stand for him at one point. Why? Because they didn't want to get kicked out of the synagogue. I mean, can you imagine how it would look to their moms and dads? You ever lead somebody to Christ that's in the Catholic Church? 
You know how hard it is to get somebody out of the Catholic Church that understands that their doctrine sends people to hell? Once they understand that and they realize they have to, there's something that happens in a mind. They start to look at it and think, there's no way my mom, my grandma, my great-grandma could be in hell. They're such godly, such good people. And you know what the, the hardest thing for a Catholic to get saved is? Is to come to the realization that salvation is by grace through faith only. And that it just may be possible their loved ones aren't in heaven. That's why they don't want to leave the church many times. Because by leaving the church, they have to admit that that's true. It's very difficult on them. And I think these Jews were going through a difficult time. However, here's the bottom line, though. It goes on to say, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but many, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. If they would have said, no, we are on his team. Nope, we're all in on Jesus. Nope, we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. They'd be kicked out of the synagogue. But here's the problem. They loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They didn't want to lose the praise of God. So even though we might want to try to give them a pass and say, well, this was just because they were concerned about what they, they were, but they wanted the praise of mom and dad. They wanted the praise of maybe family and friends. They wanted the praise even of religious leaders. They did not want to lose their status or their position. They weren't willing to praise God more than men. Matter of fact, they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. That's a scary place to be in our lives. Do you realize that you and I could fall into that trap real easy. I just want to encourage you. This, this lady gave her very best. And you know what she found? There are a number of people that opposed her. But she also knew that it pleased the master. Well, we got to get to the place where pleasing him matters more than anything else. If we can get to that place, and I say if, because sometimes getting there means that there's going to be others that are very disappointed in us. Do you hear what I said? See, you can't, it's funny, you can't please everyone, and neither can I. But you'll please someone. The question is, as believers, who will we please? Will we please Him? Will we please ourselves? Will we please others? You're going to make that choice whether you want to or not. I will too. May God help all of us to make a decision to give our very best to the Lord. And in doing so, understand that, yep, we're going to take it on the chin from time to time. But we'll please Him in the process. And His hand of blessing will be on our shoulder. Boy, I want God's hand on my shoulder. Oh, I want it. And I'm sure you do too tonight. Father, we thank you. For this time we've had together and just some of the thoughts that we were able to address tonight. We do pray, Lord, that you'd be glorified in our lives. Lord, I pray that you'd be with your people tonight. Help us all to, Father, make a choice, a conscious decision to, to please you above all else. Lord, how, how easy it is to, to, to somehow be misguided in this area, to, to be distracted or to lose focus. Father, help us, Lord, not to 